the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, we're the podcast that gives you 100 episodes. I'm Adam. I'm John. And that's right, just what I said, this is our 100th episode. John, did you think this was going to happen? Honestly, I really wasn't sure it was ever going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after that uh, Taylor Swift talking that we had, yeah, that 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 uh, <laughs> ooh, that was rough. Uh, I, I stand by that decision. <laughs> I know you do. So, as opposed to a all new kind of episode with stuff, we were kind of thinking, you know, what is more nostalgic than a sitcom clip show? Yeah. Like that is perfect for a 100 episode. Not even just a sitcom, just a clip show. It's very 80s and 90s. I was, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so used to seeing those in all kinds of stuff. So it makes perfect sense for us. Also, we're lazy. Yes, we're. Well, I wouldn't say we're lazy. Yeah, we had to go back and. <laughs> yeah. You and I went and split up and listened to 99 episodes to pick out, you know, uh, a, a favorite moment or so uh, from each one. So what we've got coming up for you is one clip. That, uh, you know, that we're fans of from each and every of our 99 episodes that we've done before. Uh, and, you know, there's just some some funny, ridiculous moments. They're all kind of out of context. But, you know, I really had fun doing this. And uh, I kind of have, you know, fun just, you know, re-listening to us. Honestly, I'm probably our biggest listener. <laughs> I listen to our stuff all the time. Yeah. What's, what's actually going to be fun is hearing the involvement or the evolution of our podcast, mm-hmm. you know, from where we started and where we're at now as far as, you know, our personalities, how comfortable we are being on the mic and it, just our technical abilities and editing and recording and all that stuff. Yeah. So hopefully you hear an improvement through, <laughs> throughout the thing. Yes, we hope so too. And of course, there's different times where we were recording in different rooms and we, you know, had to record in just different areas. So you hear different quality at each times, but hopefully in general, you, you hear the uh, improvement of us in, you know, just uh, through, through the time. So, um, all right, guys. Yeah. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this and uh, we'll come chat again at the end. But yeah, he's uh, he kind of tells Atreyu about the f- the couple obstacles he has to get through to go meet the Southern Oracle, and the first one is the two sphinxes that, as we see from their telescope, a gallant knight come in to go cross it, and uh, these terrifying laser eyes come <laughs> and shoot this guy off. Um, I also want to say the sphinxes might have been my first sight of boobies in movies that I remember. <laughs> they had massive perky boobies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, in, 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 the, in the age of having to actually, if you wanted to find something like that, you either, you either had to uh, uh, find someone to buy you something yes. or, or, buy, or buy a National Geographic. Yes. Yes, I was too young uh, for them to do anything for me as a kid. But rewatching them now, I'm like, wow, those are some big boobies on the on, <laughs> on those sphinxes. Like, holy moly! Yeah. Yes, they, yeah, they were. 
So he brings in Smalls and Benny, and they start talking a little bit baseball. He shows them some of their memorabilia. He talks about how he went blind, getting a, a fastball to the face, basically. There's a picture of him playing with Babe Ruth, and he said he would have beat Babe Ruth's record, you know, just kind of in an off comment of, oh, I was, a, right. I was just as a good hitter, and I knew him. Complete and utter bullshit. Here's why. Babe Ruth quit playing baseball in 1935. Jackie Robinson didn't start baseball until 1947. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. (laughs) Okay. I am going to prove you wrong. Okay. Here's how. First of all, it is entirely possible, not even possible, likely that players in both leagues, we're talking about the major leagues and the then Negro leagues, were fully aware of each other. Okay. Okay. Also, it has actually been documented that on the offseason, Major League Baseball players would go play in other leagues that would include black players. Babe Ruth played with black players when he went to Cuba. Okay. He would go, they would go in the wintertime. A lot of them would go to the Caribbean and play ball. And he played with black players in Cuba uh, and a couple other places up in the East Coast. So it, could, it is entirely possible that they could have played together at some point. Uh-huh. But as far as official major league records go... But yeah, and maybe he would have had more home runs in the Negro League and that would There have was been another that. player... In the in the uh, in the Negro Leagues, who's probably one of the best well-known players from the Negro Leagues, a catcher named Josh Gibson, who some people would say he was the Babe Ruth of the Negro Leagues. But anyone mm. who n- kind of knows it, it's really Babe Ruth was the Josh Gibson of the Major Leagues because Josh Gibson, if you compare stats, Josh Gibson beats him. He hit almost 800 home runs in his career which is more than the 714 that Babe Ruth hit. He hit, uh, I believe it was 60 home run, 67 home runs in one season, which would have beat Babe Ruth and even Roger Maris' record later. He's probably a better player than Babe Ruth, but history being what it is. Yeah. So anyway, that's that. Yeah, nice little knowledge bomb. All right, so I'll take mine back. Take my comment back. <laughs> <laughs> They make it up to the court building, they do a little bit more barricading, and they get to his office and back in five minutes. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> just another quick little humor scene where are just like, oh, shit, they're never going to get it. And the guy comes out eating a sandwich, and they get him just in time to pay him the money. And do you know who that man is? I do not. That is Steven Spielberg. No, it wasn't. It's Steven Spielberg in a wig. That's bullshit. He's credited. He's credited in the movie as the Clark Cook <laughs> County Assessor's Officer. I'm going to have to go rewatch this again. <laughs> I think it's him in like a wig and stuff, but it says that it's uh, Steven Spielberg. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. I actually watched one of them where Bill Cosby was reading. Uh, and and rewatching that in today's eyes, it's like, mm, I don't really want Bill Cosby to read my kids anything. Bill Cosby is such a tough thing to talk about because... Yeah, because he was great in the time for what he did in his professional life he did great things yeah he put together a great sitcom show he was a great comedian he was a great ambassador for the things that he believed in and you know as it turns out a lot of people have dark sides and he had one and it was unfortunate terrible yeah it was unfortunate yes that that's what it was because it's sort of like well if cosby's gonna fall from grace what is that gonna do for the rest of us are you going to tell me that, like, LeVar Burton's running meth labs or some shit? I will cut you, John. <laughs> <laughs> no. I have no doubt in my mind that uh, LeVar Burton is not running meth labs. Okay. Because I want him to stay genuine in my head. 
little do the newsies know, Wiesel got gang members to beat up the newsies and try and help with the muscle. Yeah, he got some muscle. Yeah, he got some like old seasoned gang members. They basically beat the crap out of the kids. But boom, in comes Brooklyn to save the day. Brooklyn! Spot Conlin! Yes. I guess he saw enough because they can take a hit and they'll keep standing. So they bring their slingshots and a couple kids with slingshots beat the crap out of some New York Irish bobsters, I guess, or gangsters. Do you think it was odd that nobody had a gun? I mean, it's 1899. It's after the Old West, so we know that we have revolvers and repeaters, yet nobody had a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. They just had chains and clubs and stuff. Which would do massive damage that you don't see at all. Like, swing, hitting somebody with a club in the head, like, it'll fuck you up. Oh, yeah. Um, but not... <laughs> I would know. I've yeah. clubbed many a seal. Uh, <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> We learn that this herd, which is mixed of multiple different types of dinosaurs, are all migrating together to go find food, to go find these tree stars, which are leaves. They have silly names for everything, like there's a tree star for a leaf, there's a sharp tooth for a T-Rex, there's a long neck for a Brachiosaurus, there's the trihorn for the Triceratops, big mouth for the whatever ducky is. Parasaurolophus. Parasaurolophus. You want to say that more confidently? <laughs> Fuck you, Adam. <laughs> Parasaurolophus. That's, uh, that's what ducky is? Parasaur... Yeah, I can't pronounce this. <laughs> Parasaurolophus. Okay, so whatever ducky is. And they all decide to spice things up and go check out the Sanderson Museum Ellison's mother apparently was the curator of. So they break in. Max is trying to be so cool. It's super <laughs> annoying. Basically, he wants to try and light the candle. This is like the start. They keep bringing up the virgin thing. <laughs> like they talking about that it has to be it's a virgin lighting it and they poke fun at this guy for being a virgin like crazy yeah it is it is kind of weird yeah for a disney movie and it, we keep coming back to it like it's non-stop it's like oh my god you're a virgin like virgin 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 virgin, virgin. virgin. He, he looks like he's a, a sophomore or freshman yeah damn son let, let the kid just grow up right so disney wants you to bang young oh jeez I'll say this is the best voice cast in any cartoon ever. And the way these actors embody their characters, it's very hard to deal with someone else voicing the character when you hear another actor play those roles. Like, when you hear another actor play the Joker, it's like, that that's not the Joker. Mark Hamill mm -hmm. is the Joker. It's weird. And same thing with Kevin Conroy. Anytime I hear someone else try and do his voice, it's like, oh, uh, uh, that's not bad, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's this poser? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Even when I read the comics still, like I still like I still hear it in Kevin Conroy's voice. I still hear it in Mark Hamill's voice. Mm -hmm. it, there, it was just spot on. I'm going to make some enemies with this. <laughs> oh, God. I knew you were going to say something, John. <laughs> well, fine. Fuck you. I won't say any shit. <laughs> I didn't get as into the animated series as you did. So for me, Michael Keaton was my first Batman. Mm. So, I mean, and I did watch Adam West, but in my time, I've never been able to get over that hump. So I still see Michael Keaton as my Batman. I don't see Kevin Conroy as my Batman. Likewise, I don't think Mark Hamill was the best Joker, but I'm going to leave. Fuck? Oh, I know. Never mind. I know. I know who your choice is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that out. Who is your best choice? It's Caesar Romero. I know. You told me this before. <laughs> yeah, it's Caesar Romero. Oh wow. He is probably my fourth favorite Joker. Well, I mean, if we're talking live action Jokers, 
That that's a different story. No, he's my third. No, no, Romero's my third favorite. Yeah, definitely. I I'd so, like to. I mean, see- it, it, it doesn't matter. You guys are all wrong. The list is Hamill, <laughs> then Ledger, then Romero, then Nicholson, then Leto. That's Ooh. just that's how it goes. Ooh. I don't care what you guys say. And her wizard guy tells her of enemies approaching. And so he has her look at this mystical mirror where he can, I guess, show her whatever he wants. And this is the weirdest fucking thing <laughs> where he starts up the weird mirror-y kind of thing or whatever whatever it is. And it's just this belly dancer, this topless belly dancer yes! dancing. It makes no sense. And I don't remember nudity in this movie at all. And it is just like, all of a sudden, here's some random woman dancing topless. Yeah. Yes, it's like you went to someone else's computer and opened their browser <laughs> and the porn that they had been watching was still up and they kind of, oh, excuse me, and then yeah. shut it and watched it. That's exactly what it was like. It was like yes. he went to the wrong channel. Yeah, that was his face. Uh, his, the face that he gave off was like, oh, this is obviously what I was looking at before. Whoops, let's just, let's go, let's go look at Arnold instead. Right. It was really, really weird. Now for me, my porn would be Arnold, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I love that man. But yeah, it was a really weird scene, unnecessary. It, it really wasn't comedic. It just made no goddamn sense. Yeah. They were like, well, I want to put boobs in this movie. How can we do it? And this was this was their answer. <laughs> Judge Doom by Christopher Lloyd. Uh, really creepy ass character. And that really solidifies when he picks up this tune shoe and he introduces us all to this concoction called The Dip. What's that? Remember how we always thought there wasn't a way to kill a tune? Well, Doom found the way. Turpentine, acetone, benzene. He calls it the dip. I'll catch the rabbit, Mr. Valiant. Then I'll try him, convict him, and execute him. I remember it being creepy and scary, and it is. It is. It kills a tune by dipping it in this acid, basically, and it just melts a tune. It is, uh, he is not a nice man because he kills a shoe pretty much right off camera. <laughs> and that yeah. that dip is made out of turpentine, acetone, and benzene, which are all paint thinners that were used to remove paint from uh, animation cells. Oh, so that makes How sense. How funny is that? Yeah. Yeah, I totally didn't get that as a kid, but when I heard it this time, I was like, oh, I see what they did there. My thought process was after I picked my Kevin or my Kavina now, (laughs) Aubrey Anderson is half Korean. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I mean, it it really shouldn't matter. But I'm always looking for an excuse to put this woman into movies just because she's one of my favorite actresses. And she's not actually even known for comedies, but I love her as an actress. And so I went with Lucy Liu. Okay. Lucy Liu is my mom. Daryl Hammond is my dad. Aubrey uh, Anderson Emmons as my Kevin. Okay. Just imagining Lucy Liu and Daryl Hammond having sex and I... (laughs) No. I'm sorry. I can imagine Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd having sex. Oh, yeah, I'm good with that. But not Lucy Liu. Yeah. Daryl Hannah. Thanks, John. Thank you for that. I'm sorry. Did you think about them? Like, that's, no, that's part of it. It's just your reaction to it. <laughs> your reaction to the whole thing. Like, funny. I don't think about her acting performance. I think about her having sex with the father to create <laughs> Kevinita. <laughs> Keep moving. Okay. 
I will say Gadget, the female mice, might have been one of my earliest memories as one of the first non-human things that I kind of like made me feel funny down there as a kid. You know, uh, Gadget is super cute, but also she's like really smart and is just like, what is this feeling? She's, uh, I kind of like her. It's kind of like, you know, you remember that scene from Lion King where Nala is looking a little too sexual as from the POV shot back into the camera? It's like, oh damn, Nala. That's kind of how I feel about Gadget. <laughs> Yeah, same same kind of thing. Um, I, I'm gonna take thoughts? your word on that. I <laughs> I don't remember having that feeling at all watching Lion King. Really? Oh my no. god! That I I think there's a whole generation of people who who were like, oh man, I'd I'd fuck a lion. Like that <laughs> shot. There's and it's it's literally just one shot, but it's like, damn girl, <laughs> damn. I can almost guarantee people know exactly what I'm talking all about. Right. And if it's just me, then well, I'm a little fucked up, and everyone just found out about that. <laughs> But yeah, like the events, oh, I wish if Universal Studios was smart, they would continue to have like an American Gladiator set up because I want to do Assault. I want to do the um, <laughs> atmosphere where you get into like the big metal hamster balls and you have to, yes. you know, land them on stuff. All of that shit was super cool. Like the human cannonball where you get on the rope and you try to knock someone off of a pedestal. Right. Like all that shit seems so cool. And I would, I would pay money, would pay <laughs> all the money I had to go in and battle a gladiator and do that kind of shit fuck that would make me so happy <laughs> and commander Riker, he's like a hornball he's kind of like a he's like a sex crazed maniac i think i saw an episode where at the very beginning he is like banging this alien chick and then the alien chick gives him like this headset game to play oh yeah, yeah the ga- uh oh god i just watched that episode too yeah yeah that was one that i just watched for this show it's one where i specifically wanted to watch it because uh will wheaton's in it wesley crusher's in it right and i kind of wanted to see one with him and funny enough ashley judd is also in it yeah. She's in like two episodes and this is one of them. And so he brings this game back on board and it ends up kind of like everyone ends up playing it and it kind of like it's a mind control device and everyone but Will Wheaton pretty much ends up playing this device will wheaton and ashley judd and they kind of have to save the day but at the end of it they all snap out of it data who is an android you know isn't really affected and so they kind of uh, there's a i don't want to go through the entire storyline of it but no one at the end of it no one brings up that if Riker wasn't fucking this alien chick <laughs> if he wasn't just sleeping around all of space this wouldn't have happened and he wouldn't have had a breach of security like do you think i really think picard should have taken him uh you know to the side and be like hey man keep it in your fucking pants because we almost all died because of you. But no, like that, that, that wasn't the case. <laughs> I remember the very first time I saw a trailer for this movie. This is the first time I actually remember seeing a movie trailer and being excited by it. And I remember it because... And you were probably about around nine or so when this trailer would have come out. Yep. I remember where I was. I remember where we lived. I remember exactly what was happening. (laughs) It's always stuck in my head and I don't know why, but I was home alone at nine because you could do that back then. And I saw the trailer. I was so excited about the prospect of a live action Ninja Turtles movie because I was already a huge fan of the TV show that I could not wait until until everyone got home. I think mom had either taken you and our sister somewhere or had gone to pick you up from somewhere. I think it was at the point where I was allowed to come home by myself, but you and our sister still had to go to the daycare center. But I think she, once she got home, because I always remember I was so excited and our mother could not have cared less. That sounds about right. 
<laughs> she was busy working all day and she comes home to your little 10 year old nine year old john just flapping on about the ninja turtles movie and she's yes. like uh-huh i give zero shits leave me alone <laughs> And I totally relate to it now because I have an eight-year-old who does the same thing to me. Nice. How perfect. We, we had an uh, Ecto-1, didn't we? Oh, wow. But I don't know if it was if it was uh, from the cartoon or if it was like from a toy line spinoff from the movie. But we had we had an Ecto-1. I think so. I'm, I'm almost positive I'm we did at one sure point. I'm pretty sure we had a Slimer, too. Yeah, I remember a Slimer as well. That's all I remember. But it, it probably came all together in like, you know, with you the know, car. With which the car. We, we were not a rich family, which was fucking weird. Like, it was weird that we weren't a rich family? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was weird because we had the Dino Riders T-Rex, which is like the most expensive toy of that one. Yes. We had the Teenage Mutant into turtles van we had an ecto-1 i am very certain i remember i had a castle gray skull from, yeah from he-man but like where did we get because we had a single mother and it, we 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 were lower middle class i felt but maybe yeah. maybe we we're better off than that fucking geez i i didn't realize how good we had it or maybe toys were just a lot cheaper then yeah very possible I, I i was in the same boat like i i remember one year my my favorite present was um the ad at you know from oh uh, yeah yeah but i also remember like that year that was all i got and i was okay with that you know um i was like that's that's fine because that's it's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. I was always cool with like getting, a, you know, they'd either give me a few action figures or one big thing, you know, and I was mm-hmm. always like, hey, that's great. But I think that, um, I think the divorce. Yeah. Uh, helped get better toys. I, I, think it, I think for all of us, it probably did. We don't really realize it, but it was Maybe. probably because of that, you know? No, not, not to make light of it, but yeah. you know, that's kind of like probably why we got awesome yeah. toys. Let's go into the deetses. So why don't we start with, uh, we'll start with Charles. I'm going to admit that I picked my casting for reasons other than the character. Okay. I figured Jeffrey Jones was a pedophile. I'm going to pick another actor who was a pedophile. (laughs) So I went with Kevin Spacey. Oh my God, John. (laughs) Wow. The sad thing is, is, as an actor, Kevin Spacey would kill that role. Yeah, well, that role wasn't isn't very difficult. No, you're admittedly. Maybe Kevin Spacey would add something extra to it. The last like comedic movie that Kevin Spacey was in was the Nine Lives movie, where he was turned into a cat. I didn't watch the movie. The trailer made my eyes melt. <laughs> it was so fucking awful. I do not like that pick. <laughs> okay, fair. And every good kids boy movie, you have to have a good crush. And I am going to say that they chose so wisely on the actress in this film because she was one of the earliest crushes that I remember that wasn't named Gadget. No, but <laughs> this crush who's named Becky in the movie, her real name is uh, Colombe Jacobson. And I best know her as Julie the Cat Gaffney from D2, The Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks 3. And for her, she held a special place in my heart because I was a hockey goalie and she was a hockey goalie and she was really fucking cute. And it was just like, (laughs) damn, I am still, I am still bitter to this day that Coach Bombay did not always start Julie the Cat in D2. He started Goldberg, that fat fucking terrible goalie over Julie the Cat. And she was awesome. (laughs) She was so cool. (laughs) I didn't get it. But she, yeah, I loved her. Like, I she, I had a big old crush on her. Sounds like you still do. <laughs> <clears throat> Moving on. <laughs> From what I read, because I don't really know much about the show, Ben Cartwright, who's the father, Lauren Green, has been widowed three times. Each of his three sons are from three different wives. Yes. From what I've read. Which is very, seems very progressive for a TV show from the late 50s. 
Eh, I mean, an old white man just grabs another wife when one dies. That doesn't no. seem that progressive. Okay. <laughs> Not really, because it was it was very much 50s in the fact that his wife's died. They didn't get divorced. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, fair it's enough. It's okay if they died that you got married again. Yeah. Okay. You know, the divorce was much more of a taboo thing back then. It made you a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make you a dad, bad person, Dad. We still love This you. would be a world of bad people right now. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing that happened in 1985, uh, which I, for some reason I thought this would have happened earlier than it did, but the uh, historic Route 66 was finally taken off of the highway system. Oh, okay. It no, was no longer an official highway. Why is it taken off the highway? Because if it's historic, shouldn't it stay on the highway system? Well, it's now the, it's now referred to as the historic Route 66 because of where it goes. But because of the interstate system bypassing a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's useless. Route 66 is worthless. Well, it is now. <laughs> it wasn't then. It wasn't before we had, you know, the interstate system. But since we've had the interstate system, it became worthless. A lot of the parts of the, of the highway just were integrated into the interstate. And basically, it was no point in really having an actual Route 66 anymore. Woo! That's some exciting stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, it was the 80s. What are you going to say? Yeah, and I've had a bottle of wine, so fuck it. <laughs> the thing that pissed me off the most. So they quote-unquote abandon Tila, Man-at-Arms, and Gwildor on Earth after they leave them, but they leave the fucking busted key with that group. And one of the people who is in that group is the person who invented that fucking key and who knows how to fix it and knows how to do all that kind of stuff. Why didn't he just take the key with him? Why would he just allow that possibility, the slimmest like chance for them to rebuild and fix the key? It doesn't make any sense. Because then the bad guy would win and you can't have a movie like that. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm too logical. I would be too good of a bad guy. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so that, that pissed me off. It's just like, you know, just... just just take it. Whatever. All right, moving on. I'm, I'm, try, I'm just trying to get through this fucking movie. <laughs> we then cut back to school, and we get another bully moment. Here we get Barry's confidence is building, though, because of karate. Mm-hmm. And he fights back. And so now we get, like, the bully actually fighting with Barry. And even though I imagine the bully has been training in karate for probably years upon years. Right. But Barry learns in, like... Two montages is like, boom, now he can not kick his ass, but like there was there was good back and forth. Yeah. Both people were getting in licks. So that was kind of good, though. I liked it wasn't like the bully still just completely clobbering him, but as there was enough licks in there that Barry gave the bully uh, that was just like, OK, I think he can do this. If we just have one more montage, John, I, I bet he can beat him. <laughs> I feel like that's my life, Adam. I'm always one training montage away from the big thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're set up and they have them all scoped up and Billy Zane is there and, and supposed to ready to take the shot. And Beckett basically it is telling him to take the shot. And he says this very interesting line. He says, take the shot. Do it. Feel a rush. Feel the rush. Yeah. Which comes back to us. But this really tells us as an audience that Beckett gets a rush from killing people, that he enjoys killing people. Mm. You know, like it's what he knows. It's what gives him feeling now. Kind of weird, but it's important to his character. Yes. And I'm going to state this. There's a fantastic book. It's actually one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and and it's, a, it's a military book. Um, it was written by a former member of Delta Force, a guy named Eric L. Haney. And actually his book, Inside Delta Force, was the basis for the TV show The Unit that was on TV in like the 2000s or something like that. Yeah. The Unit was my nickname in high school. <laughs> sure it was. No, no, no. It was Big Unit. That's a different. Was it given to you ironically? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we're gonna have to talk about it now. Adam, it was inevitable. It was gonna happen. Guess who voiced Reptile? No! <laughs> Frank Welker. I didn't, I didn't realize. Our old friend. Wow. Frank Welker. Welker Watch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to just rename the fucking podcast to the Frank Welker Podcast. <laughs> we could, though, because we could just talk about everything that he's done, because he's done, in, he's had like 800 or 900 credits, and yeah. we could just, just talk about his shit, and th- that'd be fine. Like, it yeah. would still fit almost exactly how, how we <laughs> exactly do it. Exactly we're doing it, yeah. He also did the voice of Shao Kahn at the end. Oh, okay. Was... You can also tell because it sounds suspiciously claw from Inspector oh, Gadget. Gotcha. Yeah. Sounds suspiciously like that. Yeah. He's got. He has a good rasp. Uh, yeah. He's got yeah. a good low rasping voice. Yep. So it was inevitable. We okay. Got to have him in something. Well, I uh, we can't I, escape him. I didn't realize. I you don't... can only hope to contain him. People, we are not endorsing Frank Walker. Or we endorse Frank Walker because <laughs> we love him. But we're not hunting out things that he did. He's just popping up. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, when we chose this, we didn't expect, I didn't expect to find him, but fucking love the guy. Maybe one day we can get him on the podcast. <laughs> I doubt it. He doesn't a, do interviews. As no, far of as I, uh, what, a, what a lofty ass dream that would be. <laughs> well, I'm not asking him to do a re- interview. I'm asking him to do a review. Let's, let's, let's oh, talk that's about way shit. different. Yeah. yeah, super different. Anyway. Having worked with teenagers, every so often you got to do something to bring them down to earth a little bit. You got to level the playing field. They get a little too out of their he- too into their heads a little. True, makes sense, and it's only a balance because when they're younger, they embarrass the shit out of you, and it's annoying as fuck. So balances out that you get to embarrass them when they get just a little bit older. Because your son has embarrassed me when I've taken him to places. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there was a. I remember that one time we were at the Renaissance Fair in Colorado, and he wouldn't stop crying. <laughs> That was exactly what I was thinking about, (laughs) is he wouldn't stop crying for, like, no reason. I know. We went on a little carnival ride, and he wanted to ride the blue one, but someone already took the blue one, so we had to go in, like, the red one or something, and he bawled his eyes out, and it's just like, you little shit. It's just like, it was so annoying. God, he was annoying. Yeah, but he was like three at the time. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. their world. But so good. I hope you I hope you get to bring it back to him and just like shove it in his face <laughs> and embarrass the hell out of him because he did that to us. Oh, I will. I'm going to jump in with this one. I actually really like my pick. I, I thought I was going to have a hard time with this one because anyone who's played the game knows Murray and he doesn't play a huge role in the game, but he pops up everywhere and he's just sort of like a, yeah, he's a huge part of the game. But I think I settled on someone I really like because it would need to be somebody who could be funny. This guy is hilarious. He's played a pirate, sort of. He's voiced a pirate. Everyone knows him as being the ultimate man's man. I went with Nick Offerman. Uh, I can't see it. I don't know. I like Nick. Uh, Nick Offerman's good. I can see him more as Haggis McMutton than I see him as Murray. I don't know. I'm not sold on that one. I like mine much better. Did you see the Lego movie? Yeah, I saw the Lego he movie. He does the voice of the pirate. Oh, okay. I don't know. That didn't come to my mind, though. <laughs> I let my ch- Because my choice is so much better. That's why. You're going to hear my choice, and then you're going to be like, fuck yeah, you win. It's just, I know you will. Murray is, as you said, demonic skull. He's just the skull. And so it's all about the voice. As decent of a voice as Nick Offerman has, to me, I was thinking all about the demonic laugh. (laughs) Murray has a good demonic laugh and you've got to have a good evil voice. And when I think of like good laughs for voices, maybe like recent cartoons or not even recent, like early 90s and whatnot, I think of Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. (laughs) 
And so I chose Kelsey Grammer as my Murray, and I think he would be perfect. He would be fantastic. I wanted to hate your pick. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. Okay. But I'm not going to give you the satisfaction (laughs) of thinking it is better, because I think Nick Offerman would do just as good of a job. Uh He does quite a bit of voice work. Probably, I don't think you really know the breadth of what Nick Offerman has to offer, what he does. Probably. Because I I think you would agree more that he could be a good choice. I'm not saying your choice is bad, but I'm not saying your choice is better. I'm saying my choice is better. I like Nick Offerman plenty. Kelsey Grammer is more established as a voice actor, and he does fantastic with everything just like this. Just because he did Sideshow Bob? Not just, I mean, he's done other stuff as well, but Sideshow Bob is like a perfect representation for Murray when you think about it. Uh, I'm not sold. <laughs> oh, I'm not God. sold. You are sold, and you're just trying to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I, know you, I know you love my pick. We're moving on. Okay. I love my choice and there is nothing you're gonna say that's gonna convince me otherwise no matter how much you shit on my choice Uh i think she fits the role of missy i think she could embody that character even though she's not really known for being an actress she fits that style my missy tay tay herself taylor swift oh my god that's a terrible fucking choice genius Call. Oh, no, genius. you're not a genius. You would be fired as a casting no, director, no, John. No, Get the no. fuck out of here. No, no, no. Mr. Nicholas Cage is 30-30. Don't give me that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. Nicholas Taylor Cage was Swift, a great she, First choice. of all, she looks a lot like Missy did in the movie. She just seems like a bitch. I think that's a terrible choice. She's not... She's dumb. She definitely seems dumb to me. Oh, I don't know. This is... No, no, no. She's not that's an actress. Genius. She, would, she would bring in a lot of people oh, to the role. God, that's a no. genius call. That's a genius call. Oh my god, you're not as smart as you think you are. Oh, she's just going to play some goddamn song during the entire... We're not turning this into a musical. I mean, this is good. You need rock and music, and you're going to put Taylor Swift in a fucking rock movie? Get the fuck out of here. Missy doesn't sing throughout the whole fucking thing. (sighs) But you know Taylor Swift would put it in her contract that she's going to put one of her goddamn songs in here. she wouldn't. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, You're going no. way too overboard with this. No, Taylor Swift is a bad choice. No, no, should, no. It's a genius I had some other choice. choices. Someone like a Julianne Huff would be a better choice. Or I had Diana Agron, who from Glee is another no. option. Taylor Swift. No. Perfect choice. Perfect choice. Oh, my God. You're an idiot. No, no, no. You're an idiot. I can't, I can't trust anything else you say today. <laughs> Adam, you're not my real brother. <laughs> that's, that's, nothing would make me happier. <laughs> nothing would make me happier if that was true, John. I'm telling you. Yeah. Time will tell. I love the character of Wang Chi. He's a complex character. He's badass. And, you know, Adam, I've heard you say, you know, fuck it, this is my movie. I'll cast it any way I want on several shows. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna hold to that mantra. You know, I'm just thinking, who do I want to see in that role that I admire as an actor and as a badass? I went with the Boston badass, the son of Grandmaster Bao Sim Mok, Mr. Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen's a really good actor, but he is quite old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll be using his walk the entire time, okay? Because, you know, it was just so much of a toss-up between him and, like, Jaden Smith, okay? <laughs> John and I actually just used Donnie not that long ago. We cast him as Raiden in our redo of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, which was dumb uh, as fuck, so there you go. <laughs> I think that was a good cast. Gloves are out. Wait a minute. I got to go get some oxygen here real quick and empty my colostomy bag because I'm about to turn oh, 50. You got to, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> So the chick hatches and it sees Otis first and it thinks Otis is his mommy uh, and it kind of keeps following around Otis, which is, it's cute. I mean, I've already said cute probably like 15 times and I'm, <laughs> I, I 
I can switch it between cute and adorable, but like... It is what it is. That's what this film is like meant to be. It's just meant to be an hour and 15 minutes of cute porn. <laughs> I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, here's tons of kittens and cats and dogs and just cuteness all over you. It's baby animals. What more do you want? Exactly. Maybe if they had like little hats on or something. Be <laughs> <laughs> little bow ties. Bow ties yeah, yeah, and that'd hats. be it. Yeah. yeah, I think we got something here, John. <laughs> million dollar idea milo and otis too you and i we're gonna write yeah. it we're gonna write it <laughs> so he keeps kicking it and he's bashing it and he's like breaking the bumper or whatnot and uh, right. the lights and stuff like that he ends up kicking it pretty much kicking it after he like leans down on it off the jack and it's still going in reverse and it goes out the back of the garage and it crashes uh, i feel like everybody knows this scene where he killed the car so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And I always thought this was a weird line where Ferris says, no, I'll take the blame. Your father, he hits me anyway. And I'm like, what the fuck? You heard that? You know what the line I'm talking about? Oh, he says he hates me, not he hits me. Oh, God damn. I always thought he said he hits me. <laughs> no, he said he hates me anyway. I'll take the heat for it. We'll wait for your father to come home. And when he gets here, I'll tell him that I did it. He hates me anyway. <laughs> And for John, forever, I always thought this was the line. So I thought this guy was a piece of shit, and he's like, like literally beating up on Cameron's friends. No, he says hate. I could have, I could have sworn it was he hits me anyway. No, it's it's definitely hates me. I've gone for years thinking this guy beats Ferris. Holy shit! Okay, I don't know why I always assumed it was it. You hear what you want to hear. Yeah. I guess I want someone to hit Ferris. I guess because Ferris gets just life is so easy for him. You know, I guess that 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 would be the one thing. God, I could have sworn. <laughs> okay. All right, that blew my mind. I'm a fanboy from elementary school. Yeah. And um, I have, at the time when the X Men was being created, um, I had like 12 years of experience as being a director. And so for me, what I did was, when I was doing the X Men in year one. Um, I tried to blend the two of being a trying to remember being a fanboy of 12 years old mm -hmm. and being a professional director blend the two and try and say okay I want to make what about this X-Men episode can I make that can excite that little boy inside of me yeah. and so I tried to challenge that into the sh every show I was working on because in the first year we had no guarantee of a second year Right. and so we had to put our best foot forward and uh, a lot of people except for a few executives thought the show was going to die they didn't think it was going to last and so because they didn't think it was going to last they let us do our own thing mm -hmm. and so we kind of left we kind of did it without their supervision or input and we just did a show that would satisfy us as a, as a creative person mm -hmm. and i just i brought in all my comic books to work put them on a xerox machine um <laughs> to get the costumes correct yeah um and I knew all the mythology of all the X-Men. Mm -hmm. I grew up with it. And it's like having a head full of useless trivia that was like not useless. And it was very useful on this show, but yes. not in life. Right. So it's like, it well, worked out really well. Because I knew who was the brother, who, who was the sister, who liked this person, didn't like that person, right. and everything else. And so I just put it in the kitchen sink of everything I was working on into, the, into year one. Mm -hmm. And literally when we got to the, we were delivering the last show to the network and we had our all our resumes out we were going to look for other work when they called us the last minute and told us to hold up we got to pick up for another season and that's when it started the x-men continuing on for the next four years 
That's amazing. And now we get one of the greatest, if not the greatest, urination scenes <laughs> in film history. goes on <laughs> for I know they, they like I've seen other movies like jokingly you know uh, reference it reference it and kind of like go just even farther with that as a joke but, right. but as as a as a strict like dramatic or slash comedic <laughs> yeah uh, like a proper urination film and a non parody it's good though it's a yeah. funny fucking scene apparently uh, even Tom Hanks didn't know how long it was gonna go because uh, Penny Marshall was down there with a hose and she was the one controlling oh. the Kind of the nice. the sound flow of what was going on, so he just had to react to what was <laughs> happening. <laughs> so for my number seven, uh, I went with someone with a tragic backstory who makes you feel for him. If you don't condone what he does, you at least understand where he comes from, uh, and that's because he survived the Holocaust. I went with Magneto. Oh, okay, yeah, he is a very, very tough customer. He's got, I think, one of the coolest power sets as well. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age where metal is everywhere, and you know, he can, he can, fuck, he can fuck anybody up. <laughs> yeah. I like that call. I don't know if I like that call so down low on the list, though. <laughs> That's fair, but remember, these are favorites. Yeah, true. Well, I hate your favorites. <laughs> Ultimately, I did... Obviously, I was thinking British actors. I did go with someone British. I did go with someone who does a little bit of comedy. Um, and I think could probably do a little bit more serious stuff than people really give him credit for. I actually picked the actor Simon Pegg. What? For John Constantine? <laughs> oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Are you what? Don't, kidding Don't me? give me any of this no bull fucking shit. <laughs> he is a great actor. Okay. And he could totally do this role just fine. Uh... Uh, no. I don't yes. see it. Yes. Uh, I'm, not gonna, no. I'm not going to let you, like, fucking talk to down to me about this fucking choice. <laughs> of all your... That was, that was the worst... There's the worst choice of the entire fucking episode. No. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, I'll give John that award as well. Worst choice of the entire fucking episode. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um... Why? Dad, Why? See it. Why is he, he the worst choice? He has a terrible look yeah. for John Constantine. So, terrible look. So John Constantine is supposed to be very attractive. It's part of its his charm. It's part of like his con <laughs> man charm. You know, he's based on Sting, right? When I think of Sting, I don't think of Simon Pegg. <laughs> Why would you? It's a good question. I wouldn't. <laughs> no. No. I, it's not... A, I, I will admit that it's maybe not the best choice, but I'm not going to tell you that it's a horrible choice. Um, I know you're trying to do like this different casting and be like, oh, look how edgy I am with my Simon Pegg casting. You're just fucking wrong, John. <laughs> no. It's just a bad choice. No, it's not a bad choice. Is he a bad actor? 
No. Then why would he be a bad choice? I think he's too comedic. I I'm fine with you giving me shit over the uh, the the uh, um, Taylor Swift casting, and I knew that was coming. <laughs> But this has no merit other than you just want to give me shit for something. No. I no. think this is a legitimate bad choice. No. You know what? And I'm going to tell you this. All of the controversial castings that we've put out onto Instagram have mostly come back to me. Oh, my God. Mm. We haven't even... Uh, all right, John. Whatever. Um. So, fuck you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> I think it works well with the song that it leads into, which is Longview. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I I definitely think that those two those two songs should always be listened to together. Um, yeah, uh, even though they're not really um, uh, they're not really the same message <laughs> about hating a woman, and then uh, we're going into uh, some self love. Self love, yes. Uh, with <laughs> yeah, I guess they go hand in hand. If it's an ex girlfriend, then you're left with nothing. But self-love right. afterwards. So we start out with this kind of nice little sort of pseudo-tribal drum beat in Longview. And then this really awesome, catchy bass line that comes in, which apparently Dirt wrote that bass line while he was on LSD. I don't, I don't believe any of these guys in Green Day have ever done a drug in their life. <laughs> There's no chance. Yeah, you're way off. <laughs> <laughs> You're way off. Bruno enters, and I've got to call this out. This is the weirdest thing. As Bruno is entering, and he walks up, Angelica Houston is doing like this weird movement with her oh body. My gosh. Please tell me you saw this. It was so fucking hot, dude. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. No, she looked hot as hell. She looked... Well, okay. First, we need to state... She puts, but it was creepy because it was like sexual and, and, and this kid was walking up. She puts the mask back on. They all put their mask back on for the kid. And then she's like, she's like gyrating. Yeah. Like she's like almost orgasming as she's talking to this kid waiting for him to turn. But it's yeah. a low shot on her and she's wearing this really low V-neck cut dress. And I'm not going to lie. Angelica Houston in 1990, she looked hot. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's a beautiful woman, um, and and you know, and then she yeah. took the mask off, <laughs> and then she took the mask off, and they're like, Ugh. but yeah, no. I mean, I don't remember uh, Angelica Houston being you know such a, a sexual thing. I mean, obviously yeah. with with the Adams family, you know, she kind of was yeah. as well. And this was right before the Adams family. I think it was only a year before the Adams family. Yeah, but you're right. Like it was a very sexual gyration <laughs> as as Bruno came up, and I was I creepily thought the same thing as you. Was just like. Damn, that looks good. <laughs> I kind of like. It. I kind of weirdly like it. I mean, as an adult, as a kid, I probably you know it's like, oh, this is weird. This is creepy. Yeah. As an adult, I'm like, I'm enticed. <laughs> and the other part that we have to talk about with episode one is this creepy fucking scene. So Doogie is working at this hospital, and you know he's about to turn sixteen, or you know, I guess it's like around the day of his birthday or whatever, mm-hmm. and this nurse who is obviously older than 18 uh looks like she's in her 30s possible she starts like hitting on doogie like she starts like like playing it up hard and she's like pulling him into like this back room this examination room or whatever yeah yeah, flirting with him she pulls his fucking pants down (laughs) this kid's 16 years old yeah she pulls his fucking pants down 
And then the lights come on and everybody like says happy birthday and, and or whatever. And, and acts like what she did was completely normal. That is an HR nightmare. <laughs> she would be fucking tossed out uh, with, with, with no severance and she would be immediately fired for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. He is a very inappropriate prank. And yeah. the, what's worse is all the other doctors were in on it and yeah. saw nothing wrong <laughs> exactly. with it. Exactly. Like that was big time sexual harassment. Oh. Uh, it was a bit disturbing too because he's a kid. Yeah. You pull down his fucking pants and she's like, uh, yeah, like she, these are, these are supposed to be intelligent people. You know, they, right. they work, they save lives for a living <laughs> and they just messed with this little kid who honestly, he took it in stride. But he shouldn't have. That was oh, yeah. Very... He was way more mature about it than they were. Yeah. So let's move on to actually, I think might have been my favorite song on this album, hmm. which is uh, Ding Dong Daddy. I think it's uh, it's fair to say this is not your granddaddy's swing band. <laughs> no. <laughs> I always like it that it says, say dong. <laughs> <laughs> the Billboard Year in Hot 100 single of 1994, number one, was The Sign by Ace of Bass. God, yes. We I heard that song so much, particularly because of our sister. Yes. She loved Ace of Bass. <laughs> and they were fun. Yeah, that's that song was everywhere. And then it uh, turned out that one of them was a Nazi. What? <laughs> when did that happen? I had to double check, but I remember hearing uh, actually Kevin Smith talk about it on one of his podcasts. Uh, okay. uh, how one of them had posted some pro-Nazi rhetoric. On social media. Oh, shit. All right. Well, we are not pro-Nazis. We are anti-Ace of Base uh, <laughs> when it comes to Nazism. Just so you know, this is an anti-Nazi podcast. We've always has been and always will be. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Adam, I'm ready to dive into this album. How about you? I'm not, because okay. I want to talk about a famous little penis out there. Uh, we, <laughs> we didn't mention the actual cover art for this album, which... Okay. To me, is incredibly iconic. That is true. You have, yeah, you have this baby underwater, and you get the the baby's little dingle, uh, and it's swimming after a dollar bill that's on a fish hook, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously that's to you know that's saying something about humans, you know, chasing the dollar or you know corporations or you know whatever whatever kind of grunge thing you want to attribute to it, but. You know, we're all we're all just kind of like slaves to the dollar, if you will. And uh, that to me, that's kind of what that imagery means. But it is kind of funny. I, you know, it's it's because you could totally Photoshop out that that dingle and it would work just fine. But they made sure to keep it in there, which I thought was very interesting. <laughs> 
that bit is kind of funny. We're getting a whole bunch of little things like Howard checks out this Playduck magazine instead of Playboy. And we actually get to see a nude duck, a nude female duck in it. Yeah, the centerfold, uh, is, I was I forgot that they actually showed the centerfold in the movie. I was thinking, I was like, oh, was this the duck tits part? But like right after yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. this yes. one, the duck tits part. So we get we get a couple different, we saw duck tits there just on, on the page. Uh, and then pretty much as Howard's about to to start spanking the one-eyed oh, God. willy duck or whatever the hell it is. Uh, there's <laughs> the one like, eyed, almost like this earth. The one-eyed mallard? There you go, the one-eyed mallard. <laughs> Uh, he, he gets like, it's, it feels like an earthquake and he is just gets starting to get pulled in his chair. Like him in his, uh, like lazy boy, uh, probably his lazy duck uh, is getting pulled into a chair, just being thrown through walls. And that's when we see this lady who is bathing and just her duck boobs are out on display. Perky as hell. Uh, they're just... It is, it was... It's awkward. It was disturbing. It was, it did not... Yeah, very awkward. And how the hell that would be... I know it's just a puppet, but, like, that's obviously sexual content. And how the <laughs> hell was that that not, like, a flag? And it's it's just a, a very nice song. And that's something that I like that we'll talk about with this album is, you know, they have songs that just kind of, like, they make you feel good. And then they have songs that make you think. And then, you know, then they have songs that are kind of, like, you know, a little bit, you know, not really depressing, but they, you know, they kind of, they really, they, they pull you in a couple different angles in this album. Um, but this one right here, it's one that's where I'm just like, it, it, it's like, it's like my, my eyes, my eyes go up to like the top of my head and I'm like, I'm trying to think back. And like, and that's what this song makes me do. You know, when you're just kind of, you tilt, you cock your head a little to the side and you look up and you're just like, yeah, this song. You pull a JD. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, from Scrubs. Yeah, where you're just kind of like, you're lost in your own thoughts. And that's what Hold My Hand does to me. It just makes me like, man, man, good times. <laughs> uh, and finally, this is a little one I threw in for you, Adam. Uh, that year, the Pittsburgh Penguins... Fuck those guys. ...purposefully finished last in the 83-84 season. So they season. could get uh, uh, Mario Lemieux. So they could get Mario Lemieux. Fuck those guys. Fuck the Penguins. I'm a Flyers fan, uh, and the Penguins are the in-state rivals, and they're better than us, <laughs> so I hate them. Adam, I forgot to tell you, this episode is also sponsored by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, and I love the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> they're my favorite franchise of all time. Uh, I'm kidding. No, we would love sponsorship. Anybody, please give us money, and we will talk about your shit, and we will say good stuff. Astro Glide, sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, please, God. Now, that's a product I can get behind. <laughs> get in my behind? <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> And that was 1983. I listened to a couple country albums when I was when I was younger, and as you would, just being growing up in the South, then comes grunge. Yep. Then John changed completely. John listens, John puts on his flannel, John has his baggy shorts, and he turns to his brother five years younger than him and Pretty much, I rem what I remember is you said, you're done listening to country, you're going to listen to grunge with me now. <laughs> and so, at that moment, my mentality, or maybe maybe I wanted to be more like you, maybe I, that could have been it too. Yeah. Uh, I could have been like, oh, my brother's listening to this cool music, I want to be like him. Whatever it was, but in my head, I remember you were like, fuck country, Adam, grunge is cool, you're going to listen to grunge. <laughs> and so, 
you, from the way I think of it, you pretty much taught me to hate country for a period of my life. (laughs) Jimmy's still kind of kicking ass. He's obviously, yeah, pretty much he is a savant at just picking up different video games. She calls him a wizard, and so she kind of nicknames him a wizard. Look at him. He's making the jump. It's his second time through, and he hasn't even taken a hit yet. He's a wizard. There was some sort of some talk that this movie might be sort of a modern retelling of the Who's Tommy. Oh, a pinball wizard. Pinball oh, wizard. Oh, huh. Okay, I like that. It's kind of it's kind of in the same vein. Yeah, because he's bl- a deaf, dumb, and blind kid, and this guy's kind of like you know got issues. I- issues. So I don't know how huh. true to that it is, but you can definitely see some parallels. Yeah. What about, uh, yeah, was they, did they have a creepy uncle? Because in, in Tommy, there's this real creepy uncle. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Putnam does he, refer to who himself. Who fiddles to... about, though. Fiddle about, fiddle about. You don't, yeah, I mean, you... I, don't know. I haven't seen Tommy okay. in, like, decades. Okay. I'm your wicked uncle, honey. I'm glad you won't see or hear me as I fiddle about, fiddle about, fiddle about your mother. But Putnam does refer to himself as Uncle Putnam once. Maybe that's it. <laughs> okay. Huh. All right. Again, look, this set is awesome, too. Every yeah. set, I got to say, is, every set is fantastic. That's obviously just on a fucking soundstage. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, they got dark curtains, and they built a fake boat, but... They might put it on a little bit of rockers, and they might yeah. be moving it a smidge, uh-huh. but for the most part, they're pretty much just standing there. There's no wind, there's no nothing, but you... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If they were actually on the fucking sea... <laughs> Raiden's hair right now would yeah. be fucking blown. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to hear, so they'd be like, what? What? <laughs> Sonya would be vomiting over the side. Uh, Someone has seasick. Yeah. <laughs> it would probably be Scorpion or Sub-Zero wow. just throwing up. Exactly. They into their mask. <laughs> I never thought about just how no wind. Robin, yeah, no Robin, wind whatsoever. Robin Shu's hair is just perfect. Everybody's hair is perfect. Look at through the, the stars. stars are definitely just holes they're, cut in a black uh, yes, tarp. They're not moving one bit. Obviously, yep. you're not. Yeah, you're not seeing any motion. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we are poking holes in this fucking movie. It doesn't matter because doesn't, this movie yeah. is still fucking it is, awesome. It is man. fun. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> definitely fun. By the way, I, I kind of want to make this story. This has n- nothing specific to do with the movie, but so if, if you don't know what a gelfling looks like, it basically looks like an elf. Yeah, elf with like a jackalish face or something. Yes, yeah. it's a slightly different. So uh, at some point in my life, I actually went to culinary school. During one of our breaks, a bunch of us were sitting around at a table, and there was a girl who went to the school who had just had, she had, pecu- not peculiar, she just had a very distinctive face. You know, some people just have a distinctive facial features. She was at the table and she walked away and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I kind of said this out loud too. I'm like, she reminds me of something and I cannot put my finger on it. And someone else goes, yeah, I kind of, I hear, I kind of see that too. And then it hit me and goes, she looks like a gelfling. And the other person's like, oh my God, you're right. Because <laughs> oh she did, she had that, she like, yeah. she had sort of an elongated face and I'm not saying she was ugly because she was not ugly. She was actually very pretty. It was just a distinctive facial feature. Uh-huh. And from then on out, I referred to her as Gelfling, and she had no idea what it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. She probably hated you for that. But um, Oddly enough, Bush didn't make my list either. <laughs> okay. All right. We de- we're definitely going to have some different lists. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of considered them, but I, I don't know. I just thought there were a lot of other better songs that are the ones, the ones off that album. Yeah. Um, Your mom's better song off that album. <laughs> Got you good, you fucker. <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that. <laughs> I hope our mother's not listening to this. <laughs> she doesn't. She yeah. doesn't give a shit about our podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. We love that you, you support us. 
It's so, so grungy. Thanks, Mom. Ugh. I'm going to go in my room and listen to grunge now. Actually, that works really well. <laughs> These two gentlemen do a great job of painting the picture and setting up the beginning of each episode is definitely worth it. Uh, and then he kind of calls out his name as Mark's 1684. So I'm not sure if it's Mark's 1684 or Wheezy 1214. They're the same person. Doesn't matter. We really appreciate you. That was a five-star review. Thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm tickled that he called us gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I I've been listening to the past, like just the past two episodes that we put out, the Dark Crystal one and the uh, the Mortal Kombat commentary that I did with Corey. Yeah, I don't think I've dropped more f bombs in any episodes. <laughs> I realized I was like, oh my god, I say fuck a lot. I kind of forgot just. <laughs> I'm like, should I should I dial that back? I'm I'm an adult now, you know, like I. I manage people for a living. Shouldn't I? Shouldn't I be a little bit <laughs> more adult and not say "fuck" every other sentence? Well, I'll say this: I can't listen to our own podcast when my children are in the car. Yeah, <laughs> true, and that's mainly because of me. That's my fault. <laughs> I understand this, but you know what? This is an adult podcast. It's not for kids. It's uh, you know, yeah, we go over our nostalgic days uh, because you know we're adults now, so you can hear <laughs> naughty words, and I'm okay with that. So fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh one last interesting thing i wanted to mention about john popper apparently when he was younger he originally wanted to be a comedian and because he found you know humor in his friends uh you know to try and avoid bullies probably because he was a big guy yeah i understand that <laughs> you yeah. understand that um but when he and his friend performed a routine of the blues brothers that helped spark his enjoyment of music, and that's when he took up the harmonica after that. Oh, that's awesome. Which that's is a I mean, great thing to know. We both love Blues Brothers, yes. and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and uh, Elwood plays the he, harmonica. I mean, maybe even Jake did. I probably as well. I'm sure John Belushi played it but at some definitely point. definitely Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. That's like his In the movie, that's his thing. thing. Well, I mean, in real life, that's also yeah. his thing. So, so after Blues Brothers, after he you know, did that, that's when he really sparked a love for, for blues, and I think that's really cool. This movie came out years ago, and it's so relevant today with all the stuff yeah. that they're talking about. It's crazy. It came out 32 years ago. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yes, it is very, very relevant. A lot of that same stuff is still happening today. But uh, So Dick Jones, great name, Dick Jones. Uh, he introduces them to this new robotic police unit called Ed, which stands for what does it stand for? Actually, I don't know. I don't know if they do say it, but I can't. I can't remember. What it I want to say. I wanted. I wanted to say urban pacification, but that would be E P. Yeah. So, yeah. W U P. Urban. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, can, can respect you, point drop. Can you <laughs> cut that one out, please? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Mamma mia! <laughs> I'm going down like a sweet muffin. Any of my friends who are listening to this, they know I'm an Arnold file. Uh, I used to have a whole bunch of movie posters before my wife was like, yeah, those aren't moving with us uh, one time. <laughs> and so I used to have a whole bunch of just like movie posters. And I always, always would keep my Arnold Terminator 1, Terminator 2 posters above the TV. That's mm-hmm. where they lived <laughs> until, until I got married. You know, God damn it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was worth it thinking about it. You know, I miss those Arnold posters. I don't know. My wife put all of my posters up, but my posters were all of like classic art. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, Mister Fancy Pants, with your classic art that I got for like seven dollars at Michael's. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it was my attempt in college to sort of class up the place we lived in. Very nice. 
I will also say, though, she seems incredibly well-adjusted to leaving her entire friends and family and entire city behind and going to a brand new place. And she just, she seems uh, very content <laughs> and not surprised or uh, anything. She's just like, okay, hey, now here are these powers. Well, she, uh, at some point in the movie, my wife just kind of blurted out, is she on the spectrum? <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe Helen Slater played her like that. I don't think that that was the intent. I think they were just trying to play her as innocent. Yeah, and naive. And naive, but it came, it just sort of weirdly came out, because she she's naive, but then she just sort of jumps to things. Yeah. Like, she just jumped into the sphere to, to run off, and... <laughs> Honestly, I think your wife nailed it on the head. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, nowadays with what we know about autism, you know, there is, uh, you know, there are degrees of it and whatnot. And it seems like Kara, she might be, I I agree, she might be on the spectrum a little bit. (laughs) This album is one of my absolute favorite hip hop albums. To me, what it it brings me back to is, uh, it reminds me of our mother. You know, we have certain things Mm -hmm. that, that, that our parents introduced us to. To me, this was one of the albums that our mom played uh, particularly I always remember it that she played it you know when we had like those big uh, cleaning spring cleaning weekends yep. and shit like that and like always mom yep. would pretty much put on albums and have them going like she would blast them in the in the speaker <laughs> right and and pretty yeah. much you would have like one album blasting throughout the entire house and we would all be split up and do our separate cleaning duties like for that yep. for that weekend or for that day or whatever I think I I usually got the garage. Is that well? You were you were in the garage mostly. <laughs> yeah, sense. I got the garage a lot. I had to re- rearrange the garage, which sucked, but yeah. at the same time, you know, it happened. Yeah, I remember having to dust a lot, and I hated dusting. I still hate dusting. <laughs> uh, but we were both uh, we were both in in the UK for our stepbrother, who actually went to Trinity College. Okay, well, a correction: Ireland is not in the UK. No, 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 no. I know that. <laughs> Let's I know. get that uh, motherfucking straight, okay? No, no, I'm, I'm very well about that. We were in the UK for a wedding in South England. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And yes. we did a tour, uh, my wife and I did a tour, and we went to Ireland. Oh, yes, very good. Trust me, they made it very clear when we got there. Ireland's not part of the UK, which I already knew before I went there. But Yeah, yeah. No, it, it does happen. And uh, in fairness, it actually happens a lot with British people that they don't know. And it's because they weren't taught it because they're the imperialist cunts in this. <laughs> so their schools are like, shh, don't tell the kids. <laughs> don't tell the kids that we're assholes. So yeah, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> Just re-listening to that. Yeah. It's fun, right? How the fuck did that make your list, John? It's fun, man. <laughs> that is, it's that fun. is, I guess for, yeah, if you were like a four-year-old, this is perfect for a four-year-old. But, you know, as like a near 40-year-old guy, you're 10 times older than like the, the base on this one. You should realize, I don't. You realize I, I, we're I, talking about cartoons meant for kids, <laughs> right? <laughs> but they need to be dissected for quality. <laughs> and I don't know if the Wuzzles is there. Uh, but hey, it's your favorite. You know, we're just, I'm just going to judge you. I'm just going to respect you less. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm used but, to it at this point. Yeah, interesting choice. Interesting choice, John. You know, it's, and hey, it's your the call. The only reason I put it above the other two was because there's no narration. It tells me everything yeah. through the song, which it's, is it's catching generally up what I like. 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I I, I agree. That's uh, pretty solid. All right. But still weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you. That one, that was the song that wouldn't die, and it's not yeah. even that it's a bad song; it no. just wouldn't go away. It, that that absolutely the Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. It was so monstrous that it it absolutely it just got so fucking tiring. I was so sick of that song. Right now, you know, it's probably been like you know, it's well, it's been over twenty years since then. But like, it's been long enough that I listened to it and then I fucking belt out in the car and I'm just like, <laughs> I want to close my eyes, Jamona. I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, baby, and I don't want to miss a thing. All right. Well, Even that's... when I dream of you, <laughs> this latest dream I ever knew, I still miss you, baby, and I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so, if you haven't figured out, we are talking about the band Oasis, and we are going to be reviewing the album "What's the Story." Morning Glory. Well, it's a story, Morning Glory. You think I can talk Cockney the rest of the episode? Hey? No. no. God damn it. We will lose <laughs> any British following we've ever had if you do that. What if I do just a, a little slight British accent instead of a Cockney one, huh? No. God damn it. Okay, fine. I thought that one was good. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was, but I'm, I'm really no, no basis for comparison. So. Fine, fine. The film is set in Australia, which I had really no idea. I didn't remember that at all when I was a kid. For some reason, it just didn't really click. I mean, maybe partly because the voices didn't have accents. Yes. They were very of, Americanized accents at all. None of them do. Yeah, but, I mean, from the animals, like you see a cassowary, you see a duck-billed platypus at some point. Right. Uh, so they're, they're definitely distinctive. You see, I think, a, even a kangaroo. Uh, so they're very distinctive Australian animals, but... Um, well, it's because it was animated in Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was a, a dual, uh, you know, production team, you know, the... Uh, probably like a producing team in America and then the animation in Australia. So The animation team actually went out to the rainforest in Australia to draw. And that's, mm. the, that's why the rainforest looks so much like Australia, because it is. It works well. I just didn't realize. I did, completely didn't realize that. And also, I don't like how no, none of them have Australian accents. Like, why? I, I never really got the sense that it's set in Australia. Well, of course it's set in Australia, John. I just told you that there's all those animals in I there. I know, but <laughs> th they don't exclusively say that. They don't say it, but it's obvious. I'm, I'm an adult, and I'm in smart now, <laughs> and I have a brain, and my brain is telling me with all those animals, it's obviously set in Australia. So why don't they have accents? Sometimes I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, wait, what are you wondering about? Exactly. All right, moving on. Uh, uh, moving on. Numero seis. Uh, you stole my entire thunder for my numero seis. Thank you very much, John. Uh, all of the thunder is gone now because actually I wanted to talk about how uh, we didn't own the game, but we had friends or cousins who did, and then we would just get on our knees and pound the shit out of the mat. I'm talking about track and field is my number six. Yep. And for me, it was all about... I list, too. Yeah, for me, it was all about that long jump. The long jump was the best where you would just like mm -hmm. smack really, really fast and then you had to let go and then the guy would do the jump or the triple jump was kind of, was, I, I always screwed up the triple jump. Um, yeah. I sucked at that one. Uh, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was for me all about like the long jump and, and just smacking it with your hands. It was, it was fun times. So you stole the thunder, <laughs> but there you go. That's my number six, track and field. 
I'm um, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but the thing that pissed me off maybe the most of that discussion is we keep calling her the childlike empress, but in the last fucking movie, she gets a name. That is the entire main plot of the movie is he has to name her. At the end, she's fucking crying, saying, what's my name? Call my name. <laughs> and then he screams out, fucking Moonchild. Yeah. This movie, they just call her the Childlike Empress again. Her name is fucking Moonchild. Call her Moonchild. Well, I mean, the queen is Queen Elizabeth, but you call her the queen, right? No, shut up. That's, that's, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. That's stupid. You're right. I take it back. I'm not adding logic to this movie. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> One of the most interesting things about Yanni, uh, and I remember this from an interview when he became really popular after this, didn't know how to read music. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, good. He, That's always impressive to me. He did everything by ear. Okay. Um, I imagine uh, because he's playing this, uh, because he's playing this uh, concert with a full orchestra, mm-hmm. but I imagine he had help arranging his music for the orchestra. Uh, that's not uncommon. In fact, that happens quite a bit. In fact, a lot of times uh, when you talk to film composers, they will write the music, but they will have somebody else who orchestrates it for the orchestra for them. Yeah, somebody who who really knows how to take the you know the the music that they've written and voice it for the orchestra. So it's it that in itself is really not that uncommon. No, I mean. It reminds me of myself. When I was in middle school and high school, I couldn't read the music either. I played trombone, so I just kind of, whatever slide position the other guy next to me did, I just kind of did the same thing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I could kind of read music. Kind of and then I stopped it, and now I almost forget everything. <laughs> so I don't like the voices. Right here, you, you hear even hear Sean talk through the Giver suit, and he did just kind of have like a, like a mechanical-ish sound to his voice. Right. He doesn't have a good voice. No, you're going down. No. He is not badass. And so I wish they had like a, you know, more of like a badass voice coming out of the Giver. And instead it's just like a, hi, I'm Sean. And it, it's like, I'm the Giver. I am the Giver. Uh, and it's not cool. Yeah. Somebody needs to get uh, James Earl Jones up in this bitch. Yeah, hell yes. That would do it. Or maybe Keith David. I would like uh, that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. We'll figure out. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and do our own casting of the Giver. <laughs> Uh, we'll save that for another time. This time we're going to cast Mask, and it's going to be awesome. Your my number three is your number four. Uh, okay. It is the Lion King. Um, yeah, uh, it that movie is the pinnacle of like the Disney Renaissance films. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, pretty. I mean, it's the best movie. It's not my favorite, and it's not. Or maybe hey, let me let me retract that. It's the best film. I would say mm-hmm. The Lion King is the best film out of maybe all Disney animated movies. When I think of like the best storyline and the best film, again, now granted, probably that's because they stole it straight out of fucking William Shakespeare. You know, it's <laughs> Hamlet. Right. You know, that's why it's a great goddamn story. Um, but but I mean, that's not uncommon. I mean, no, think about not. some of the great <laughs> stories we've had in the 20th century. Think about, like, West Side Story. West Side Story yeah. is just Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And today we have a listener-requested episode. This is a patron-requested episode, if I am not mistaken. Is that correct, John? That is correct, Mr. Stephen Wilhelm. Ah! That was, <laughs> that was my Adam Helm. I don't know if that worked, but what's your John Helm? No. No, come on, everybody. That's so. That's a that's a thing. If anybody doesn't know, the Wilhelm is a very famous scream. 
used in you know the film sound bites and it's a sound effect basically and the guy uh i can't remember the story if the story was the guy who recorded or the actor or the character or something the that was the wilhelm but now you'll get in a lot of different like sound effects libraries you know you, mm-hmm. you might have the wilhelm but you'll have other people do their own helm if you will and so like if i recorded ah! on my own it would be called the adam helm and i would send it out and people could use that uh, so oh. john you want to you sure you don't want to give us one good john helm yeah i'm positive <laughs> fuck you the song itself is as is most of the songs that he plays is in a standard 12-bar blues progression. And I kind of want to dive into a little bit of music theory, if you're you're okay with that, Adam. I'll allow it. So I'm not sure everyone may not know what I mean when I say 12-bar blues or or blues progression. The best way to do this is to kind of tell you, like, how we talk as musicians. So if you take, like, a major scale, we'll say, you know, C major scale, that's all no sharps, no flats, so that's just C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. C D E F A G B whatever you said. Was that right? Was I do <laughs> no. I have perfect pitch, John? Did I sing every note correctly? No. Not oh, even close. F- fuck you. Do <laughs> you want me to lie to you? <laughs> yes. Yes I do. <laughs> Alright. You know? I kind of forgot how good looking Dennis Quaid was. Yeah. I mean, like, holy fuck, in this pot, I was just like, that's a good looking dude right there. Yeah. I mean, between him and mid eighties. Meg Ryan. That's a good-looking couple. They really are. They that would be gorgeous babies. <laughs> I don't know I don't know who the hell either of them, you know, actually ended up marrying, but they probably married the wrong people in real life. They should have married each other because those would have been some <laughs> absolutely stunning babies. If they if they would have procreated at that point, that would have been like that would have been the, the next leader of uh, you know, the earth. I think they could have had that person. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Just beautiful people, you know, get married and and they poop out a kid and it becomes you know it, it's power level in society is how beautiful it is honestly it seems like it sometimes yeah pretty much on you know instagram you just have to look good and be on instagram and people will pay you for it and then if you're and then your parents will you know pay somebody to get you into usc's crew team and uh, you know <laughs> going to college <laughs> Lori laughlin you fucked up <laughs> I know this is not topical anymore, but I don't care. It's still funny. And it's definitely not topical by the time this episode comes out. (laughs) Okay, so my number seven might actually appear in your list, Adam. Okay. If she doesn't appear in your list, I guarantee you someone else from this television show is going to appear on your list. Mm -hmm. Because... She's so excited. Yeah. She's so excited. <laughs> She's so scared. Scared. My number seven is Elizabeth Berkeley. Elizabeth Berkeley. She did not make my list, uh, but I definitely thought about her. Did um, she actually make your list from that TV show or from another movie? Uh, from, another, know, from, that, from that TV show. Yeah, oh, uh, maybe okay. another specific movie that she did uh, right after Saved by the Bell. Right, right. Abby, when that movie came out, I was not old enough to see the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is, just so y'all know, it is the highest grossing NC-17 movie of all time, Showgirls. Oh. I'm not surprised. Yeah, she is gorgeous. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley, very attractive. Um, and I always liked her, but there might have been uh, someone else from that show who, who I liked a little bit better who made my list. So I thought, I thought, I figured. All right, Abby, moving on to your number seven. So my s- number seven is from the same TV show. Uh-huh. And that would be Zach Mark Holy Paul shit. Gosselaar. Yeah, he's a good looking dude. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's a good, that's a, not a, yeah. Not a Mario Lopez fan? 
Uh, nope, not a Mario Lopez fan. Not until I, later. You're a Dustin, Dustin Diamond guy. fan. He's number one. I know he's going to be higher on you. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Zach was my guy. It was, it was all about pr- uh, principal building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his yeah, head. There you go. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, he, he, he did not age well. Um, no. Uh, no. I can't remember what his name is, uh, but the actor who played Mr. Belding, yeah, he, he kind of... <laughs> he put on some pounds. Mark Paul Gosselaar, though, still looks really he good. He still looks good, yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, and Mario Lopez has not aged at all. He took a time no, machine. he looks the and same. He's, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's probably, he probably looks better. He's more cut now. So, But that's a good idea. Yeah, Mark Paul Gosselaar, uh, good choice. Yeah, Zach, you know, a little bit of a douche on the show when you rewatch it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's a good call. That's okay. Um, still, still a crush. Y'all, y'all may not believe this. But my number seven is from the same TV show. Oh my, God. I, my number seven is Kelly Kapowski. Of course it is. We, uh, Tiffany that's Amber ridiculous. Yeah, Kelly. I mean, she was obviously set up as the the you know the crush, the main crush. You know, because in episode one uh, or you know season two, when they actually are out in California or whatever, um, you know, is the one where he like you see Zach's creeper you know, remote control poster that kind of comes down from the wall of Kelly Kapowski in her little volleyball. I, I know I remember these scenes very vividly. Yeah, vividly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Kelly Kapowski. She's very, very cute. Uh, and she was, yeah, she was set up to be like the main one. And, and I like Tiffany Amber Thiessen, but specifically mine is Kelly Kapowski from, <laughs> from Saved by the Bell. Speaking of bad lines, this is, I think, one of the most classic Maybe not bad lines, but worse deliveries in film history. When she appears, uh, Katana says, Mother, you're alive. Too bad you will die. It is so awful. So bad. I know. I know, man. I mean, it's all terrible. Everything uh, is terrible. Again, let me refer back to my notes. I've already written it, I think, twice now. Everything <laughs> yeah. is terrible. Yeah. If, if any of these actors put this film on their acting reel, I feel bad for them. Because no. they, they should... I'm sure they have something better than this. Sable. Uh, uh, Saber. 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 Yeah, Saber, he, yeah maybe. Because he was just this pretty much it. American Gladiators. And, yeah, this. So... <laughs> in the basement, torturing rats with a hacksaw and pulling the those were the good old days. Those were the good old days. The years go by, but the memory stays. And those were the good old days. I can still remember. So this one's, uh, it's classic Al. He sets you up with one thing that mm-hmm. you, you think he's going to talk about, and then the twist happens. And it's, it's if not only is it a a departure to what he's talking about originally it's a departure against the style of song this is a ballad it's a it's mm-hmm. a lovely you know james taylor ballad like listening to like fire and rain or something like that and then he talks about fucking torturing rats with a hacksaw and you're like wait <laughs> where is this going and then he just dives off the deep end mm-hmm. uh, into the rest of the song this is a great song yeah, I here. Yeah, we agree on that for sure. Uh, th- I, just listening to it again, it kind of flooded back to me. This isn't one that like listening to the just knowing the title. I was just like, huh, I don't remember that song. And then the more I listened to it, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then it just gets kind of more <laughs> nutty and nutty. But like he just has his calm demeanor and his James Taylor esque style, um, and it's 
yeah, the, that that juxtaposition between those two things makes the song even funnier. Let's go into our final thoughts, John. I'll start because I'm, it's obvious how I felt about this. Right. I did not make that any more clear than I've made anything else in this entire podcast that we've ever done. People, <laughs> anyone listening to me right now, this movie is god-fucking-awful. God, G-A-W-D, god-fucking-awful. Don't you ever watch it. I'm talking to you. You do not watch this movie. And John, don't you ever make me watch this shit again. I swear I will fucking kill you. (laughs) I want to give everybody some context, which I was shocked that this was not the worst movie we've ever reviewed. So this movie has a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is really bad. Uh, But some other ones that we've had that we've talked about and some that we haven't have not hated as much as this. I can tell you every single one of these that are kind of down in that area. I liked better than this one, but most of them, uh, none of them, none of them I actually liked, but they were all superior to Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, in my opinion. So some other ones in that kind of 13% range on Rotten Tomatoes. Masters of the Universe has a 17%. So like, you know, that's that's an Oscar nominated compared to this one, in my opinion. Uh, Howard the Duck has a 15%. You know, again, at least that one had, uh, you know, Leah Thompson. There was some cuteness there. I enjoyed the songs from that one. That was a much better movie. And then Supergirl so far has had the lowest rating of any movie with 10%. So I was a little bit shocked that that was worse because I... I mean, that's a, that's a bad movie. That's for damn sure. That ain't Baby Secret of the Lost Legend bad, I'm telling you. So, anyway. All right. That is my breakdown of Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. John, someone who has actual nostalgic value for this film, allegedly you said we owned it. I don't remember that, or I burned it from my memory. How about you tell us your thoughts? Folks, don't listen to Adam's bullshit. <laughs> oh, God. I loved watching American Gladiators. There's no way in hell I could ever perform on it. <laughs> no. I want to, but I can't. Fuck no. Maybe so. if they had American Fattiators. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. We need to make that show, John. <laughs> just have big tubos running around and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, failing uh, there'd, be no yeah, yeah, there'd be no running. Yeah, there'd be no running. Oddly enough, for a guy my size, I actually do enjoy playing, like, Airsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever we play, at the beginning of a round, someone will go, okay, you run here, run here. And I look at him and I go, I don't run. <laughs> it's like, I will make my way to the first spot, and then I will just snipe from there. Yeah. Do not ask me to run. It's <laughs> not going to happen. But what are your thoughts? What are, what are your kind of takeaways from this being the first time that you watched uh, Animorphs? I barely made it through one episode. Did you watch the first one or did you watch something else? No, I watched the first one. By the time I was done, you know how you felt about me making you watch Baby Secret of the Lost Legend? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's how I felt about you making me watch Animorphs. It's not that bad, It was so bad. (sighs) It was so slow. It was so boring. I barely made it through the the first episode and I thought, no, that's it. That's well, the, that's the good first enough. episode they're setting up everything. Of course it's going to be a little bit slower. They're not into their, you know, anamorph abilities yet. You're not giving them enough time. Just the dialogue was weird and the aliens looked weird. Like I it it I lost any desire to go on by the end of the first episode. <laughs> <sighs> this one, a lot like the other ones. It's good. I can listen to it. There's really nothing special about it. 
uh, from the other ones, it's very much in the same vein as like Ironhead and mean and in the meantime. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, hard. It's screamy. Um, now the thing that I do really, really remember from this song is like that. I guess chorusy part when he's like, "Hard times, hard times downtown." Julie Brown. Like I don't whatever yeah. it was, the downtown Julie Brown part. Yeah. Like I I just is very memorable. And so like when I was listening and, and heard that, I was like, oh yeah, this is the fucking downtown Julie Brown song. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. that's kind of all I got. And I don't I don't like this song really all that much, but it did it, it did kind of <laughs> come back into my nostalgia a little bit when he started singing that part. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And in today's episode, we have got a cock-filled episode for you. It is chock full of cock, uh, or really just birds in general, I would say. Uh, we are, <laughs> are doing a bird-centric episode? I don't know. I want to tell you a funny story. I was yeah. in a uh, kind of a sort of a, a pseudo barbecue joint in Berlin, mm-hmm. and they were playing a bunch of 80s music, and Nina came on, and I get this weird look on my face, and uh, my wife's cousin c- kind of looks at me, he's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, that's 99 Luftballons, but they're playing the English version. Oh, they were? <laughs> <laughs> and they had some sort of like radio station on or whatever, but I was uh, like, what the hell? We're in yeah. Germany. I'm like, first of all, this is the most like quintessential German song that an American would know. Yes. And yeah. they're playing the English version, not the German <laughs> version, which I much prefer the German version over the English version. Not to get too horny over here, <laughs> but Lori Laughlin is fucking hot as shit in this show. She's a, she was she's a good looking woman. She still is a good looking very, woman. Oh, she is still very attractive. I mean, all throughout all the seasons. Yeah, when she kind of came on, I think it was in season two or three or something. It was just like, whoa, hello, Aunt Becky. <laughs> she didn't start off as Aunt Becky. You know, that gradually worked up that way. Uh, but yeah, she is very very attractive person. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on from my horniness. <laughs> uh, and it was a great concert. I, there was a couple of opening acts i had to suffer through but the, <laughs> the band itself was was great when we saw them um i also remember i don't think he listens to this podcast i highly doubt it um but if he does uh i'm sorry mr henderson i lied to my band teacher about what i was doing so i could get out of a football game to go to this concert <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> and the worst part about it i made our mother lie to mr henderson oh, and she, she was co- she was complacent in my oh, life. Oh wow! Oh my god! An accessory to the crime. <laughs> uh, and it, it, I remember it came around to her because uh, so it was my freshman year. I, I was in the marching band, and I had I, however, I concocted this lie. I don't know. I think I told them we were going camping, mm-hmm. which was something we did at the time, but yeah. just not then. And later, when they there was like a. Um, uh, like an open house day, uh, f- you know, for the parents to come in and, and you know, meet all the teachers. Mm-hmm. And I remember m- our mom telling me that she went in and there was a video playing and he specifically went over and he goes, hey, do you see that hole? That's where John was supposed to be. Because <laughs> they, had, they had videotaped the show that weekend oh, and they were showing that video. <laughs> the fact that he is not interested in sexy time with Gina Davis 
<laughs> what a fucking idiot. Well, what a moron. Well, you you get the the hint when he first comes in that he's probably up to no good. He's got a hickey on his neck. Uh-huh. And he's he's trying to use makeup to kind of disguise it and then I think I think he just kind of is uh he's already tuckered out. I guess so, but I just want to say <laughs> Gina Davis is absolutely smoking she looks pretty she looks awfully stunning in this movie I, w- I won't disagree with that yeah i mean i mean i remember uh i think this was, this was the same year as beetlejuice as well but in beetlejuice she was covered by that hideous dress right. <laughs> it was a god-awful yeah. dress she could be a model like a 100 percent. if she didn't want to go into acting she could have been like a supermodel she has that body she has that look she has that height mm-hmm. she is absolutely stunning to think that you know your fiance is Gina Davis and you are looking elsewhere. I just I want to punch him right in the gonads. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. I think I'll be surprised if he made your list, but when I went and rewatched skits, there was no way he was not going to make my list. And he has one of the longest running stints on SNL. Uh, my number six is Daryl Hammond. Did not make my list. Okay, that doesn't surprise me, but. When I break down all the different impersonations that he does, they are so fucking good. I'm going to throw out there, Daryl Hammond's Al Gore is awesome. His Bill Clinton is fucking awesome. Uh, I know it wasn't until the 2000s, but his Dick Cheney was great. Actually, Daryl Hammond for the longest time was the Donald Trump. Actually, his first time that he did Donald Trump was in 1999, so it fit into the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he played Regis Philman in the 90s and was hilarious as that. Probably my favorite impersonation that he did was on Celebrity Jeopardy right. when he played Sean Connery. He's so fucking funny. That skit makes me laugh every time. doesn't matter how many times I hear the jokes. Yeah. I mean, the amount of your mother whore jokes that he makes to <laughs> Alex Trebek, it's so good. But uh, the actor is Jay Johnson, uh, and I've got a Jay Johnson story. Oh, okay. So a director for a film that I was working on apparently was friends with Jay, and Jay is apparently, at least at the time, I don't know, he was looking for these certain set of lamps. And he really wanted these lamps and he found them on like Craigslist, but they were up near the Yosemite area and he didn't really have the time to go up there. So he was looking for somebody to go pick up the lamps and come back and he would, you know, pay for the, you know, for the driving and some extra money and whatnot. And so uh, this director, you know, I said, Hey Adam, what do you got going on? I was like, I'll go drive up to Yosemite and pick up some fucking lamps. Sure. (laughs) Uh, So I uh, had a fantastic trip. That was, that was the only time I've been up to Yosemite. I want to go back, but I went up, I picked up these lamps for him. Um, I drove them all the way back. I had a fun little trip with, I brought a buddy with me, Flippo, if he's listening to this podcast, hopefully he will. Um, And we had a hell of a trip. We absolutely loved it, but it was, it was ridiculous on top of that. Uh, (laughs) Then we went and dropped them off uh, for Jay and to also thank us, you know, he gave us, gave us the money and then we smoked a blunt. <laughs> and that that was my Jay Johnson story. He opened the door. He looked exactly like James Franco's character from Pineapple Express, like <laughs> literally wearing like the exact same garb, I feel. And I'm not much of a weed smoker, right. but like, you know, he offered it and I was like, sure, fuck it. Why not? And so, <laughs> so we did. And and then I left. And that's my my Jay Johnson story. So I, I smoked weed uh, with the attractive male gynecologist from Scrubs. I'm sure a lot of ladies were jealous. <laughs> Maybe. This was definitely during that first time that I was living in Los Angeles. I was an assistant editor on a feature film. 
uh, at the time. And I told the producer uh, that I was going to head out for the weekend uh, to see a concert with my brother who had just recently had a kid. He, you know, and he was like, oh, here, here, take these. Uh, and so he gave me two Cuban cigars for us to smoke <laughs> because, you know, you had your new kid. Um, I remember they were Cohiba Especials, just two good stuff that I can't afford right now or I can't find. This producer, I remember he always had a cigar in his mouth. Like every time he always had one. Uh, he was a nice guy, but he was a very interesting dude, I will say. Uh, but yeah, but I just have this distinct memory, like, you know, me telling him that I was going out to, to see you, you know, with the new kid. And he kind of gave me the cigars. He gave me an old cigar box that he didn't need anymore. He kind of showed me how to kind of care for the cigars so they wouldn't dry mm-hmm. out, you know, for the, the couple days or whatnot before. And we smoked the, we smoked those c- cigars, those Cubans at the Bad Religion concert. Um, yep. And they were, they were probably the smoothest cigars I've ever had. I'm not, I'm not a cigar aficionado by any right. means. I smoke a cigar maybe once every two years or something like that. Yeah. But I do remember them being smooth. And it also, it just kind of helped. It was, it was, you know, part of it was, hey, these are Cubans. This is this is cool. I'm here at a concert <laughs> yeah. with my brother. Um, but yeah, I I forever have that association of, you know, Cuban cigar smoking with you at the Bad Religion concert. <laughs> we are talking the 1982 film Tron and following that up with uh, a review of the show Babylon 5 and then also recasting a brand new Babylon 5 using actors of today. I had honestly no idea that uh, Bruce Box, actually not even just Bruce Boxliner, two people were in both of those shows, John, which I thought was crazy. Bruce Boxleitner plays Tron. Uh, we'll talk about him later, but he mm-hmm. is also uh, one of the main captains in Babylon 5. Uh, and then also Peter Jurassic plays uh, one of the programs in Tron, and he plays uh, Londo in Babylon 5, who was on, all, I think, all episodes. Yeah. So it's just kind of kind of funny how similar actors were on both of these shows. It's not a coincidence, Adam. That's exactly why I picked both of them. Are you kidding? <laughs> okay. I mean, you picked it, so I just I just assumed it was because you're a big fucking nerd is why you picked it, not because you are in love with Bruce Boxleitner. But okay, so this is a Bruce Boxleitner episode, everybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely nostalgic. I miss those times where, you know, yeah, you don't you don't have to make every decision yourself. Like that is what I mean by that is, you know, we it's exciting that we're in the age of streaming where you can choose, yeah. oh, I want to listen to this and I want to listen to that and I want to watch this and I want to watch that. But there was something to be said about oh, I'm just going to watch MTV and I will experience new music that comes to me or new videos that come to me. And so I feel like you ended up getting a more well-rounded, you know, just knowledge base of music because you don't always have to choose your own shit and you don't watch the same shit over and over again. You know, like nowadays, fuck, how many times do I just watch The Office with my wife or Seinfeld or or same (laughs) things over and over and I'm not experiencing new shows all that much? It's because of streaming where before you're like, oh, wait, this is scheduled viewing and I just kind of have to watch this. I'm going to check it out. Oh, it's actually pretty good. Or I'm just watching a bunch of music videos and, oh, I found out this really cool music video from an artist I never, from Bjork or something that I never would have thought right. of watching, but that's really interesting. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's that's a little diatribe about you know that's what funny. I do, partly what I miss about those old days. Did I ever tell you my Rob Paulson, because Rob Paulson did a voice on here, I mentioned him. Did I ever tell you my Rob Paulson story? I think you did, but I can't remember if you told it on the podcast. Okay. 
This episode is just chock full of my stories. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of interrupting it. Tell it anyway. Uh, While I was working for the YouTube company FBE, Rob Paulson and actually all of the voice actors for Animaniacs came in um, and they did uh, a little episode for us. Um, But while Rob Paulson was filming, you know, I I love Rob Paulson, you know, for so many different – the guy has done – tons of voices that you know we all know and love including uh i think it was donatello in the uh mighty du- or the uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles mm-hmm. show when we were kids and stuff like that he's just done a million things while he was about you know doing some shoot he needed to take a break to go to the bathroom but i went up and i went up to him you know real quick and was just like Hey, Mr. Paulson, I just want to let you know I'm a huge fan. You know, thank you so much for everything you've done. You, you know, I really appreciate, you know, you're really a part, a huge part of my childhood. And, you know, he turned to me and said, well, your childhood really needs to go pee right now. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I I stopped him at the absolute wrong moment because he had to go piss really bad in between the shooting. And uh, I felt really fucking embarrassed. And so I just got out of his way and then slunk my way back to my uh, office. And I was just like, sorry. <laughs> Sorry there, <laughs> Mr. Paulson. So, yeah, that was my one interaction with him. But I was uh, I was pretty nervous about talking to him because he's he's a big voice actor name. There are a lot of really good songs on this album. I mean, it's it's pretty insane. But I mean, this album alone, there's only nine tracks. Seven of them were singles, and all seven of those singles reached the top ten in the Billboard Hot 100. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't know if that's ever been matched by anyone. I I didn't look yeah. to see, but I mean, I, I, I'd be hard pressed to find someone else who's done that off a single album. Mm-hmm. So the album yeah. was released on November thirtieth of nineteen eighty two, which would have put me at just a, a few about two weeks short of being two years old. Yes, and uh, you were the you were an only child back then. Neither yeah. my sister or or our sister or me, uh, I had been born yet. So yes, yeah. This was so you got you so. got this album all to yourself at first. Yes, life was good then. <laughs> uh, it came out November twenty second of that year, and the Billboard Top one hundred single of that week. It's a classic. When a man loves a woman by Michael Bolton. When a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else. He the world for the good things found. Oh, when a man loves an atom, it's the best thing in the world. Is that, that how, how it goes? We'll, we'll say yes. Yeah, good enough. When a man loves an atom, I don't know. Actually, I might, <laughs> that's confusing things in my head. My wife might be confused about that then. I'm going to... Just retract all of that and just, uh, yeah, good song. That's a good song there, John. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure your wife is the least confused person in your household. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey-o. You know, the older I get, the more you listen to that uh, that chorus. She's only 17. Mm-hmm. And you're like, does that mean you're going to not date her? And you're, oh, yeah. no. That means yeah, that's, gonna... what, that, that's what you want. All right, well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. We could go into the entire discussion of, uh, what is it? It's not statute of limitations. It's the- uh, Statutory? St- not statutory, but it, it's it's tied in with that. What is the, uh, something, age, age of consent. Oh, okay. We can go into the age of consent for every state and if uh, and to discuss if 17 is uh, viable. Right. Um, but either not 
we should just avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> and it is kind of just not talk about that and just be like, yeah, that isn't, it's, I mean, it's a good song. I agree with you. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun song, uh, whether the message is inappropriate or not. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously starring Peter Weller as Alex Murphy, a.k.a. RoboCop. Uh, A.K.A. Robert Cop. Robert Cop. You, yeah, go back and listen to <laughs> our, Ro- our RoboCop episode. <laughs> gotcha. And you will, and you can hear Corey's story as to why he calls him Robert Cop. Uh, Nancy Allen plays Ann Lewis. Tom Noonan plays Kane. Uh, Tom Noonan was in Manhunter. He was in Monster Squad. He yes. played uh, Frankenstein's monster in Monster Squad. He's all caked up in makeup, so you can't tell. But I think he, that I thought I saw that credit. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Bogus, <laughs> bogus. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, and then there's some other people who we'll kind of get to, but I mean, really, there's not. Yeah, I mean, the two main people are Peter Weller and Nancy Allen, who were in the original, and then. Kane is kind of the new guy. We have some other people. We'll talk about him as we get to him, but nobody, nobody huge. Well, Johnson. Johnson's not huge. Oh, uh, you just wanted me to say huge Johnson. You fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I am firing on all cylinders today. <laughs> There's several things I actually like about this song. Mm-hmm. First of all, for as goofy as it is, I like the intro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You're right. Goofy. It's so goofy. It just, it kind of sets you up like, hey, this song is going to be about prejudice. It's going to be about racism or just prejudice in general. And then boom, they just, when they just, boom, start out with that free your mind, um, yeah. you know, just big vocal hit. It uh, it works really well. You get a little bit of a different style because you get very much like a almost pseudo heavy metal, you know, yeah. hair metal style guitar riff underneath it. Because it's, it's not to say, it's not an angry song. But it has it definitely has an aggression to it. They're telling you what they feel about how you should you know approach them. Don't judge them, you know, before you, you know, get to know them and that sort of thing. And so you get this really cool distorted electric guitar riff that goes with it. And they're singing very aggressive the whole time, but yet you get these really awesome delicate harmonies that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get that sort of, you know, that layered harmony part where you get the where they kind of layer on top of each other, which mm-hmm. um, in the band in, in the band world, if you do that with horns, it's called doing bell tones. Okay. Um, Another one. I, I hate to use the word fun, but it is. It makes me get up and, and dance. I usually, mm-hmm. if I'm in my car, I'm like rocking out to it. People probably think I'm listening to Slay or something. I'm like headbanging yeah. to it. But it's <laughs> well, it, so it's so great. The whole uh, practice of presidents returning the salute uh, to members of the military didn't start until 1981. That's interesting. I mean, because the president is the leader of the military. Yeah. I guess maybe he just wasn't saluting back because he's the top He's the top guy. There's a lot to it with the honorific that is Commander-in-Chief. Ah. I think it's pretty interesting that I'm I'm the one getting to speak on this. But uh, So the the practice of it when, it when he was actually the general of the U.S. Army uh, or the military, uh, it made sense because he mm-hmm. would salute back. But as it kind of went on, uh, the presidents less and less were active members or had been separated for so long that they needed a distinction between the two. It wasn't until the 1980s when there was a really a requirement to kind of bring back the, the luster of the, the military that the presidents started saluting back. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. From, thanks to the, the those commie bastards that we had to make sure we looked good. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that, I'm not going to uh, say yes or no, but yes, that's probably true. I'll say it. <laughs> uh, my number eight 
I almost I completely forgot it had existed as a game until I did a little bit of research into you know kind of classic games and stuff like that. I saw it. All of these memories came flooding back to me about playing this game called Mr. Mouth. I don't I don't even remember that. So Mr. Mr. Mouth was basically it was a rotating yellow head and there were four arms that came off of it and you had to flip a coin into its mouth because they would rotate and the mouth would flip up open and close and open and close. You had oh yes, it. holy shit. I remember this thing. Whoa. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to. I just I just saw the no, picture of that right. thing, and I'm just like, holy fuck! Those little hands that you flip. It obviously it didn't make my list because <laughs> right. I couldn't even. <laughs> Super depressing ending to this show. So David and Lisa have to head out to the mountains and beyond to go die because they know that gnomes only live. They don't live past the year 400. And they're both 399. Right. Uh, you know, and, and it's 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 about the end of their time. And so they know it's the time to go out to the mountains or whatnot. Um, they say goodbye to all these animals, uh, especially at the end when they are at the top of the mountain and they're saying goodbye to Swift. It's just, holy shit, is it sad. <laughs> like, I, I thought I was going to cry watching it now. Oh. I was just like, holy, if I was a kid, I would be bawling. Yeah. And, you know, they know their death is upon them. And so that's why that's why they're going up there and to pass, you know, they're going to pass on to the new world and their bodies transform into this pair of entwined apple trees. Huh. You know, they, they guess when they die, they turn into trees because they, they end up taking this other gnome who didn't have anybody with him. I guess his wife died earlier or something. And so he was just all by himself. And so. Part of it was like, you know, they're, oh, I love you. I've, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that we've had so many years together. And then I, you look at the other guy who has no one and you're just like, damn. <laughs> I'm sorry, other random gnome guy. <laughs> you don't have shit. Uh, but he turned into a tree as well. Uh, but it was just kind of, holy shit. That, I mean, there was no doubt there was not going to be much of a, uh, a sequel to this, to this show because yeah. they're dead. I think Stevie Nicks's raspier voice that she's got now at the at the at the age of you know in 1997 and from all probably all the coke that she did it ruined probably some of her vocal <laughs> <laughs> uh i actually i in all the the research that i did uh in some of these songs you find out just how much cocaine these people were having and how much yeah. how many like you know, love affair, love triangle battles that were all coke induced and shit like that. Apparently, Stevie Nicks at one point was doing so much coke she had a dime sized hole in her inside of her nose uh, from Ugh. that much blow. So, uh, yeah, don't don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> uh, similarly, Rob Paulson, who we've talked about, I uh, feel like a hundred times. You know, he's probably our second most talked about voice guy <laughs> after the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Welker. Um, but Rob Paulson did Pinky. Bang, zoom, right in the kisser. Not really. uh, he was in Animaniacs as uh, Yakko, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as, I think, Donatello. He was orig- In the original series, he was Raphael. Uh-huh. And then they brought him back in the most recent iteration of the cartoon okay. or the or the one that ran from 2012 to 2017 he was Donatello. Don, okay, and that one. So he's done both. Yeah. But he was also in Dexter's Lab and I remember him also as Hydro Man in the Spider-Man the animated show from the 90s as well. But he Rob Paulson has literally like a shit ton of like a, I don't know what a metric shit ton is, <laughs> but it it's equal to Rob Paulson's voice acting credits. Yes. 
my number five was your number seven, I believe it was, uh, which was Command and Conquer Red Alert. Okay. The, uh, the 1996 Westwood Studios real-time strategy video game. Um, it takes place in an alternate early history uh, or something, or when, if, you know, it's like the Allied forces versus the, you know, the Red Alert, or the... Uh, Soviet Union, you know, mm-hmm. control over the European uh, mainland or yeah. area, whatnot. Um, but like it was, it was fantastic. I mean, similar strategy games that I'm sure that we'll definitely be talking about. I know one of them at least right. will be up there. You build buildings, you get resources, you find tanks and militia. Um, I remember where you could do like jets for recon and stuff yep. to like s- just see where shit was. Um, the the thing I want to remember most before you start diving into sure. stuff. Those fucking dogs. Yes, I love the dogs. <laughs> they were so mean and vicious. I love the dogs. That's why I liked playing as the Soviets because then I could get the dogs. Um, and you know, I, I love these types of games. I, I I enjoyed that game because it was the you know it was the first game like that I had played that had sort of a more modern mm-hmm. feel to it with the the characters or the units that you could build and stuff like that. Um, and I, I enjoyed those real-time strategy games quite a bit. Really what happens, she, they stop and, and she's like, you know, I, I just I don't want anyone to know that I've fallen for you that kind of thing. And they kiss and then we get a very steamy sex scene. And I, I want to say this has got to be one of the earliest sex scenes that I remember like like I'm just saying like when I was younger like of the sex scenes that I've seen this is one of them that just kind of sticks out and I remember probably being one of the first ones that I like particularly remember just the very blue lighting that they had they had very intense kissing uh very sensual I liked it I liked it a lot as an adult I'm not gonna lie like that was like this is steamy shit uh Adam I am pretty sure that this is the scene that made me a man yeah <laughs> <laughs> this also is the first like this is the first time i remember like noticing a sex scene like really paying attention like yeah oh my god people humans do this mm-hmm. yeah. oh, yes they do zenzuk whatever <laughs> i'm gonna print it. i'm gonna correct you that's not how it sounds when they say it in the out in the song that's right I, I know. They don't know. I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I took German in seventh grade, buddy. Yes. Here's my question, though. What dialect of German did you take? Because I have since learned that there's yeah, like 28 yeah, dialects yeah, yeah. of like, German. You, know, you always get taught. We really, in school, they only really teach us about like the quote-unquote basic like Berlin. Yeah, uh, but German. then but, but Southern German, like the Bavaria style, yeah. is so different. And, and they kind of, they, they do more ch. Like the ch is like, it's ich is what you'll typically say, but it's like itch uh, in the South, I mm-hmm. think, if I remember that. Uh, my buddy Will, who is listening to this podcast, I know is probably freaking out because he wants to talk <laughs> about Germany because he lived in Germany for multiple years. And he's like, I met him through a German class. He's probably freaking his ass out about it. I don't want, don't, Will, do not call in. Do not tell me how I'm mispronouncing it. This is my podcast, and I'm telling you I am the master of all pr- German pronunciation. So it's Zenzucht. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be a Bond film if they weren't in some sort of overly elaborate way of dying. Yeah. I mean, you you can't you can't. I mean, it's it's a tradition at this point, and I know it's dumb, but you can't be mad at it because it it I'm, is the I'm thing. I'm mad at it. <laughs> it is the thing. It's I'm so it's, it's what Bond movies are it. known for. It's it's part of the camp. It's known for stupidity, like <laughs> stupid villains. 
Like, that's a bad thing, because also in, like, the movie Spectre, which I watched, and I'm only call, calling that one out because it's one of the few that I that I did see um, of the Daniel Craig ones, and they has a, he has a dumb moment like this as well, where he's kind of like, Spectre, Blowfield, leaves Bond in this, you know, thing that's going to blow up, and he flies away, and he's like, you've got four minutes, Bond, you'll never make it, ha ha ha, and he flies away, and of course Bond makes it, and it's just like, Ed, <laughs> you had Bond, in this movie, you had Bond tranquilized. Shoot him in the fucking head. <laughs> You're what is the, what is the point of keeping him alive right here? Especially because later on, all he does is complain like, "Oh, why is Bond still alive? Oh man, he's really hard to kill." Yeah, you had your fucking chance. One bullet <laughs> is like twenty cents. You could have fucking shot him. <laughs> oh, that yeah. I mean, ugh, is this why so you don't? Bad. Is this why you don't watch a lot of Bond movies? It's. Part of the reason. I'm not going to lie. It's part of the reason um, because it just it frustrates me to no end when it's just just the dumbest villains. <laughs> All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this clip show. Um, something that, you know, we just want to thank absolutely everybody that has been a part of this podcast so far. Um, that's people who have recorded with us. That's our sister, Abby, our dad, uh, Jonathan and Joseph of the Dynamic Duel podcast, Casey Bennett, Corey Stevenson, who's been on multiple episodes with us, uh, Blahin DeBurka. Uh, I think that's everybody who's recorded with us other than also our patrons who's been with us. So I want to thank... Uh, Joseph Garcia, who is also a patron, so double thanks to you. Ken Johnson, Ben Green, Stephen Wilhelm, uh, Kathy Connolly, Corey Stevenson, who is also a patron. Thank, like, massive thank you to you as well. Uh, Jody Sellers, um, you guys have all been a huge part of this podcast, and I honestly can't thank you all enough. Uh, as well as our sponsors that we've had, uh, which if you guys have been listening to us, you know Jody Sellers of the Sellers Law Firm has been a sponsor <laughs> on multiple episodes, um, and he's got some more to come. We're excited for that, as well as some of the stupider sponsorships that you've heard. Um, you know, when I'm doing stupid stuff, uh, that is actually coming from a buddy of mine, Brian, who pays me to do stupid stuff on air. So um, I guess thank you to that <laughs> and i'm gonna and i know i've got some more of those coming too so so it's fun stuff thanks brian yeah <laughs> so um john you got any other thank yous you want to shout out um i just want to thank um all the people who've engaged with us especially on social media um we didn't know if we were going to reach anyone outside of our sort of you know group of friends and and acquaintances and stuff and getting to know some of the folks who've just sort of found us through different means whether it be from another podcast or just through searching or whatever um i we are so grateful for your listenership and for your, especially for your engagement. I, I love uh, getting on Instagram and Facebook and seeing the comments from folks about stuff that you loved, you know, when you were a kid or stuff you identified with. It's been, it's been a great journey and one that I hope continues for another hundred episodes. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs>